0: welcome to box out banter where you can check out our IGN live every other Saturday night at 2 a.m <laughs> um, <laughs> no don't do that we don't have that that would be a very bad idea
1: I mean if you just want to see me playing Dragon
0: Ball Fighters or some other video. this game. is true we don't have we don't have fun lives like Paul Pierce <laughs> I, um, I'm not in
1: college anymore I don't go I don't I don't go to clubs or parties, especially during over the last year and a half or over the last bro, year I, don't, year anyway. I don't
0: think I ever lived like Paul Pierce lived i don't know I,
1: <laughs> I don't think i ever lived a quarter
0: like even five percent of the way paul pierce has <laughs> so, yeah, so we're, obviously we're joking about it um and something we're gonna i want to talk about and i know you want to talk about so he just got let go from espn um espn mm-hmm. is cutting all pies obviously the mouse don't play like that
1: yeah um, and uh paul pierce just posted a tweet like right after the news broke it it was him it was a video of him laughing and then the hashtag smile next to his head as he's laughing back and forth and apparently he said something like stay tuned or something like that yeah. uh yeah that so, was pretty that was
0: pretty wild huh <laughs> yeah well but the crazy part was like all right he has that wild if anyone doesn't know paul pierce was posted an instagram live where he was uh he had strippers and like a lot of alcohol and poker chips and cards it looked like too they were having
1: having all of
0: it (laughs) and uh so yeah they you know he was obviously having a good time and he was calling for he was talking to an escort to try to get her over i i don't really know what was going on there um Mm -hmm. but yeah it was uh, a it's pretty wild and so yeah the crazy part to me was after that whole thing happened and he posted it, and then Twitter went nuts, and Instagram went nuts, and the <laughs> basketball world went nuts. He starts tweeting about the UCLA game? Yeah, like, like nothing happened. <laughs> like, he just starts tweeting about the UCLA game, and you're like, bruh, what, what are you on?
1: Was that him Tweet? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, first he tweeted, uh, before he tweeted, uh, what a shot, oh my god, Gonzaga, he tweeted, good morning yeah <laughs> and that got nearly twenty-one thousand retweets he's just like good hey man good morning uh what's uh what's, what's on the news on? lately <laughs> Any, anything new and it's like uh <laughs> what and then he tweeted after that after a, oh my god what a what a shot gonzaga he'd Pierce tweeted again earthquake and then the next tweet anyone else feel that earthquake yeah <laughs> oh wow. yeah here's the tweet big things coming soon stay tuned make sure you smile hashtag truth shall uh shall set you free <laughs> and uh, he posted a five second clip of him
0: laughing uh after cool. news
1: broke <laughs>
0: uh, man it doesn't it doesn't it seem like one of those uh just, like, he just doesn't know he did something wrong. And you're, like... Well, well, think about it,
1: like, I mean, Paul Pierce, and especially if you hear stories about, like, Paul Pierce of the 08 Celtics and stuff like that, like, this probably thought it was, he He thought it, this was okay. Like, think about it, like, yeah. you're, you think about it, you're, uh, I, I was, so, I was listening to, uh... I was listening actually to the latest Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo pod last night, and they actually talked about this. And I wa- and I actually thought it was interesting perspective because they both have had their suspension problems at ESPN and yeah. all that stuff. Um, But, you know, Ry- Ryan kind of made this point. It was like, look, all of Paul Pierce's life, he has been told he is, you know, the shit at basketball. He's made millions of dollars. He becomes a champion. And so he's had an established career. Like he's a legitimate hall of famer. And so you go into the next stage of your media career and you're basically being handed a job that honestly, like you could be doing a lot of other things, but because you're Paul Pierce, you get paid to talk basketball. It's like, okay, I'll just go on for a few minutes, give my take, and then leave. A- AKA um I'm better than Dwayne Wade, or I'm a better shooter than Klay Thompson, and then he just walks off the set. I created the, <laughs> the step set. back Yeah, I created the step back. He just walks off the set, people react, and Paul Pierce keeps coming back on. And so he's probably just like, this job really It's it's a fun thing for me. And so he does the normal stuff he would do, except, you know, he doesn't really understand that he is repped by Disney at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think he necessarily did it. I don't know if he realized he was doing anything wrong because at this point, everybody knows how to use social media and stuff like that. Yeah. I just think Paul Pierce, this is what Paul Pierce does. He doesn't care, right? He doesn't care.
0: So this is the thing that, I was trying I got into a discussion with someone about it and at the end of the day I I realized I was just like talking at a wall. You know, one of those, right?
1: And, <laughs> You're just running around in circles. Yeah. And, and it's a thing where a
0: yeah. it's a thing like Paul Pierce, yes, he is able to do all this stuff in his private life and do whatever he wants. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be doing this or anything like that. Um, you know, you have the right to, to do what you want and like have fun. And, and, you know, if you want to party with strippers during a pandemic like, you know, go for it. It's all your, that's way bro. You do you, that's fine. To eat the zone. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not judging him for that. My thing is always like, you have a responsibility to your, to represent your company and represent the people that you're working with. Um, and to put out, uh, when you're in a position of power and a position to be a role model, there is is a certain amount of responsibility that you have to not have that out in the open. Um, and yeah. like, and, and Hey, if you don't want to, that's fine, but there's going to be consequences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he got, and he got let go and, um, and, and he got let go. So it all resolved itself. Yeah. Um, especially. So my, it my, been... thing,
0: my thing is always going against people that are like, Oh, Paul Pierce getting canceled for no reason, or like Paul Pierce getting canceled to live in his life, and it's like mm. <laughs> no, he's not getting, he's not getting yeah. canceled for that. I was like, no, also can- also,
1: also canceling isn't really a thing. It's no. called holding people accountable. Too. Absolutely, hundred percent. That's, that's the other thing too. It was like, yeah, so there is no such thing as can- cancel culture. But it's yeah. just holding people account- accountable. But also, yeah. like, yeah. So like I I definitely agree with with what you're saying because like you know we work for companies and stuff and you know yeah. we have we have I can't lar- yeah there's a there's a large responsibility we have of you know uh, as much as maybe we don't like it sometimes or whatever there's there's always that consciousness in the back of your mind like okay like it's not just me um uh, or it's not just you know management when you think about that stuff it's also your coworkers and all that stuff yeah. But but uh, but um. Yes, but, I mean, it resolved its... uh, It it would have been a... Just imagine how longer this would be in the news cycle if they did, like, some weird suspension thing or, like, didn't even address it. (laughs) Or didn't even address it. They just had him on the jump the next day.
0: Well, this is is the kind of thing, like, we talked... I know you brought up Brasillo and and his issues. I think, for me, it's on YouTube and you can find it. Brasillo's apology when he came back on the air, cause he did get suspended once it happened. For yeah. doesn't know, Ryan Silla got suspended for, uh he took a vacation. Uh I forget where he went, but he taught, he was talking about this vacation the entire time. And he was gone for like a month and everyone was like, whoa, what happened? Um Basically he had gotten super, super drunk and then walked into a hotel room that wasn't his and just knocked out.
1: Yeah. Apparently the key, his key card worked for
0: that room yeah. too, is what he said. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, yeah, he got arrested and you know charged with you know breaking and entering or, or I think unlawful exposure, something like that. Something yeah. something like that, indecent exposure. And so, you know, uh his apology when he came back on air to me was perfect because it, it was a thing of, yeah, I have he no one to blame.
1: Yeah,
0: I I have no one to blame. This is what happened. Uh I fucked up, I drank too much, I need to take responsibility. Like I'm lucky to have this job, or I'm lucky to be in this position to be you know do what I do for a living, and i like I don't take it for granted, and like all this stuff like it's it is the thing of like hey, i I know I fucked up, I'm owning up to it, and like i'm not gonna it's not gonna happen again and that's to me is all you can really do, mm-hmm. and it it shows a lot of um maturity to be able to admit like, yeah, I made a mistake and like you know, okay, let's move on um and for that, I can respect you for for Paul, Pierce, it just seemed like he didn't he didn't know like he didn't even acknowledge like I did anything wrong, or like, you know, yeah, and like, yeah, dude, that's fine, cool, um, but you probably shouldn't be working with a platform now that you know is family representative and or, you know, like, a Disney related company. Like, you can't work for a Disney related yeah. company. And he's probably gonna out.
1: make. He's probably gonna make his own media company. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need like an apology or anything. Yeah. I just thought this. I just thought this story was crazy and dude, interesting. So it's, and, it's and, really to be just, completely
0: honest not like we're losing much in terms of nba analysis here <laughs> i'm not upset no,
1: no there yeah uh absolutely you're absolutely uh correct about that uh but uh no i just i and like i mentioned earlier like yeah there there is definitely a part of me that is just like well, what do you mean by you know representing the company because like i also think that could be used as a veal sometimes to limit your talent and stuff like that but you know um i i see both sides of it like i understand that when you have a job you uh represent the people that you know you work for where whatever you say and if you get caught for it well then you get caught for it and i don't need an apology or anything but you know it seems like it resolved itself and i just thought the i will wo- i remember waking up that morning and, <laughs> and the video just started surfacing bradley beal was tweeting about it yeah <laughs> and every like everybody was, i was like wait what's going on and i saw i <laughs> thought hard. the best tweet i saw was it was like paul pierce out here looking like slurms mckenzie from, from <laughs> So that's one of my favorite Futurama episodes ever. So I immediately got that dude, reference. I was like, "Oh my, my god."
0: My favorite part of the episode is at the end of the ep- at the you start to feel really bad for Slurs McKenzie because he's yeah. like he's part he's like when he sacrifices himself at the end, he's like "Party on, boys." Yep, yeah, <laughs> yep. And he looks all beat up and stuff. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You just feel bad for him. He's just like I'm tired,
0: I'm tired of <laughs> Yeah. Slurm. What are you Slurs, What are you doing? Just what do I do best? <laughs>
1: some of those screenshots, I was just like, yeah, man, this, this, uh, this is just, I don't know. maybe it's just me, but it just doesn't look fun. <laughs> my the best part, my the best idea part
0: is, the best part to me is, it gets like, as you watch the video, it gets worse and worse. Cause you yeah. watch it for a second, you're like, oh, it's just Paul Pierce. He has a headache. He's tired, whatever. He's like, bloodshot. He's tired. <laughs> he has a headache. <laughs> and then it pans out, and there's a girl in a bikini massaging him. And you're like, all right, like, whatever. That's, you know, maybe he's like getting a massage or whatever. He's tired. He's talking. And then it pans out more and there's his boy next to a table with like a whole bunch of alcohol on it. You're like, oh they yeah, something's it's up. like, oh, something. And something's then happening. it moves over a little more and there's chips and like money and stuff everywhere, and you're like, what is going on? And then he pulls it up and there's a girl twerking on the floor, and you're like, What is going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> the, it was definitely one of those uh you know like the you know, like the uh, scenes in a cartoon or whatever, where somebody like keeps pulling back, like Sponge, like you remember, like in SpongeBob, where he was arguing with Patrick and he kept pulling back all the bad stuff that Patrick yeah. was doing, and he's just like, like this, no, like this,
0: no, he <laughs> just
1: kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it was like. Uh, but no, nah, man, uh, I actually I want to see what Paul Pierce does. I, I'm always interested when athletes launch, like not launch but this is this is definitely where it's headed Paul Pierce is definitely going to be starting his own quote-unquote platform and it's easy to do nowadays and I imagine he's looking at Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and all those guys it's just like you know what I'm just gonna go do that and that's honestly that's honestly probably another reason why he posted that video well well, like we said he didn't care but part of the reason he doesn't care is just like look even if ESPN fires me I'm the fucking truth (laughs)
0: like
1: that's probably what he's thinking at the end of the day you know
0: Again, though, I think you feel the same way I do in that, like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but like, man, they've gotten a lot out of that one championship. And like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, dude, they really did. Like, they really did. Like, also, I will say this about Kendrick Perkins. I like him a lot in long form media. As opposed yeah, to TV TV media, I think that's what I've come to realize with a lot of these guys. Actually, Obvi- I think Perks basketball analysis is, has actually gotten better, and it's better in long form. I could disagree with them, but I could at least see where he's coming from. Uh, well, but Perk, I like, think Perk,
0: Perks' main strength to me is always with like the. Uh, the locker room stuff and like the chemistry stuff yeah. and like inside the NBA stuff where you're like man he he
1: really gets and he'll give you that tough love sometimes with that Texas ass accent of his yeah. like that's what i like about it like, he
0: really he <laughs> you really understands like he really understands like it's this is super corny but like he really understands like what it is inside the NBA and like those relationships and like those yeah. pra- like who the people are and like what they're going through and that's important and, like, hell yeah it is and like so when you when he talks about a player like sometimes we talk basketball. I'm like, okay, I disagree with you. But then sometimes when he talks about like, well, his mindset is here and he needs to get here, and I'm like, yeah, Pert, you, you, you say it. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And but with Paul Pierce, like I, I'm just there for the stories because like when he's on pods and stuff, he really gives some crazy stories because if yeah. you hear a lot of stories from well it's like with any championship team or team that's been together for a long time like you hear story like you you live to hear the old players tell stories about that stuff like about how you know kg would be screaming at everybody on the airplane including paul over cards yeah. <laughs> on the, or how paul pierce bet kg 100 stacks or whatever it was that one time on the plane it's like wow like these stories are great but yeah um espn did not ESPN's TV coverage did not lose much. Well, not that they really had much, aside from like a few guys like Matt Barnes and Richard Jefferson, and uh, all their stuff actually is moving behind a paywall, which actually gives me some hope that they are looking at investing into good content. Because um, Zach Lowe's behind a paywall now. I've been having to pay for, I've been paying for ESPN Plus for a minute now, but the, you notice that they're moving stuff behind the paywall, and they're kind of keeping—I yeah. don't know—like they're keeping the junk. So, or, or I guess for lack of a better word, uh, more on the forefront of the webpage, but behind ESPN plus there is the paywall and stuff where you get the actual good stuff. But, uh, it seems, but ESPN really didn't lose much <laughs> in terms of, uh, basketball, yeah. take them, they could just go wherever and
0: find that, you know, pretty, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty happy about where we're at with that, um, I'm pretty like happy Paul with Pierce. where you cut out. You cut out right there. You were happy uh, with what? I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with like, if there was one person that we needed to lose from the, the ES, ESPN NBA coverage, like, completely fine with it being Paul Pierce. Yeah, um, yeah, like, <laughs> that's for sure. So uh, you had you,
1: So uh you had a uh, you had uh you you had a tweet to get off after your beloved UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Lost on a, on a, really just a. It, it was a great game. First it of was. all, or I really I good. didn't watch the whole game, so I probably right. I so like I was telling you before. I was watching the Sixers Timberwolves game, um, and you know the game. Carl Anthony Towns absolutely <laughs> baptized Embiid in that game. A rusty Embiid, but he got baptized nonetheless. It was nasty, like, and yeah, it was like works. it was not one of those like sideswipe oh ooh, uh, the bodies in the pitcher type of da- like he caught a full-on
0: body on a bead yeah. like he dunked all over him and i
1: was and, laughing and, even,
0: and the thing is like i don't even think the rust had anything to do with that particular play because no. he fully went up and like like he was in position he, he was a little there. he
1: was a little late on the uh on the curl part of the action where Anthony, where Anthony Towns came around, like caught it came and caught the ball but like yeah, yeah. and B I tried to him. recover and he <laughs> he popped him dude like he got him I, and I reacted I was like oh shit like that was my reaction yeah. I, was <laughs> watching,
0: I, I was watching the UCLA game and so of course my whole feed was the UCLA game and like the everything trending was that UCLA game because that was the biggest thing on. Yeah. But then all of a sudden cat started trending and Embiid. And I was like, what is this? And I clicked, I clicked it and I was like, Oh shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was, it was nasty. But after that game, I tuned into the UCLA, um, Gonzaga game. It was with about five minutes left, uh, in the second half. And man, that game was a doozy. Like I, haven't gotten that I haven't gotten that much thrill from a college game probably since the twenty sixteen uh you know North Carolina Villanova championship game, the Chris Jenkins shot. Um yeah. the, the one that's probably the most recent one that comes to mind. Um but you had a you had a I I wanted to it, I wanted to do a semantical argument with you, not an argument, but I had a little semantical thing that I that I had a quibble with about your tweet, Mister Chris Uh the one where you talked about Jalen Suggs shot and how okay no, the heave, the the heave, the prayer. I just want to say, did he mean to bank that in? Probably I don't not.
0: Think
1: so. No, he did not mean to bank. I I would be hard pressed to believe that he uh, wanted so- to bank that in. But I, I do. You, think I know
0: that's. I, I know where you're going with this, and so keep keep your go- keep your question. Right, I, I, I do, do want to say
1: it did look like it was calculated. He looked at where he was going to take off once he stepped beyond the half court. Um, it looked like um, it looked like he was measuring it up. It looked like he shot it like a normal, not like a heave or a desperation like you normally would see at the end of a quarter or a game. He jumped, he loaded, sprung up, jumped, and shot it like not normal because it's probably a little out of his range, but he he definitely took aim. Like There was a lot of it that was calculated. I will say that, but it was a miraculous shot.
0: Yeah, so my original for context, my original tweet was something to the effect of uh i don't let me see if i can find it. the the original point of was oh here we go as great as, as suggs had and as great a player as it is please do not tell me that the last second he was a great he threw up a pair and banked it in. it's an incredible finish to an incredible game but that was not an indication of his skill level I geared coming across with it and reading it again, it does does come across partially intending it to come across. This was in response to a lot of people's Sam Lillard, Steph Curry type of shot, and that he's in that <laughs> class of shooter. Can't leave him open. And they they're they were calling out UCLA for not defending on that last play. Like and I was oh, like, dude, I... he ran down the court and launched a three. Like, what do you want them to do? And it's not like he's a knockdown three point shooter from like he banked in a three. Also,
1: I'm pretty sure the defender would be
0: terrified of fouling in that situation too. Like And the the thing is too was like the a lot of people were saying like this is this is why Jalen Suggs is gonna be the top pick in the draft. And I was like, okay, hold on, timeout. Don't this is this last shot is great, but it's not he had (laughs) four or five or six other incredible plays that show his skill way more than this last shot. That
1: that sequence where he got the block and did the bounce pass and transition. Yeah, towards the, that that to the me, the that to me encapsulates that encapsulates Jalen Suggs. I was just like, that is like an all time like I'm the best player on the floor yeah. type of moment. Now, like he got the is, block, he recovered
0: the block a little bit of a foul, but. Even so, it's an incredible play. And to me, people should be talking about that mm-hmm. in terms of like, not in terms of the highlight, because obviously the shot's the highlight, but in terms of discussing him as a prospect and as a player, that play, the block to the pass, should be the the key point of your argument for him as a player, rather yeah. than the shot. And so many people jumped onto the shot right away of like, this is why he's a top prospect. when. Literally, there's a highlight reel from the rest of this game that shows it way oh, more. The season. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I, I'm just saying, like,
0: for people that are only watching this game, like, there is four or five or six plays in this game that are way better than the last shot in terms of mm-hmm. looking at his skill level as a player. But, man, what a team, though, the Zags. And also,
1: dude, what what a run by UCLA, by the way. I have to give them props because they were, they were they, in the play-in, weren't they? They were like that in was the playoff to
0: tournament. Yeah. They were in the first four and they made it to the final four, which is crazy. But yeah. I was laughing. My tweet was I put out a tweet that was like, I expected, I expected UCLA to get blown out tonight. And I, I went into the game with zero expectations. Then UCLA played an almost perfect game, pulled me in, and then I got hurt anyway.
1: Yeah. A lot of UCLA fans kind of got, you know, kicked in the stomach there. With that one, with that well, there's, one, it, there's
0: some great, there's some great videos of like people celebrating after they get in the mm-hmm. land and tie the game, and then just yep. instant, instant. Uh, mood switch as soon as that's the
1: the, that's the classic like march madness that would imagine if um just imagine if uh things were opened and you know you saw that that type of video at a bar or something or like a bar on ucla row i don't even remember what the area was called i went to ucla i yeah west westwood thank you that that was a terrible faux pas on my part because i have one of my uh, mutual friends went to ucla and i've been there a few times uh w- with the homies and so i feel bad for forgetting that
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: but uh, yeah just imagine a video from one of the bars that, uh, down there and just the or like you know on the flip side you know gonzaga you know like yeah. that's uh that's the other thing too like i'm glad we got these march madness games back but uh the y- The fan electricity is there, but you could tell it's lacking like a few hundred megawatts, um, if that that makes any sense. Um, I totally get what you're saying.
0: So so here's what I want to talk to you about, Jordan. Okay. Has Suggs done enough, in your mind, to put him ahead of Cade or Mobley?
1: So I want to preface this by saying that I am completely behind on my homework on these prospects. I want to get like a month and a half, you know, watch probably three or four games of the big guys and see how I rank them and stuff like that. But obviously, from what I've seen of Cade Cunningham, I mean, I would I would take him easily not maybe not maybe by the end of my, you know, tape study and stuff probably won't be as easy. But the skill set six, eight unselfish has figured out how to shoot the hell out of the ball. Because remember, in high school, he wasn't as yeah. dead-eye of a shooter we as he is now. Ne-
0: yeah, At the, one of our first episodes, we talked about this. And I said, yeah, his only thing with me is shooting. And yeah. he figured it out.
1: <laughs> and he figured it out. He's an elite shooter now, like which is kind of crazy. And so I would take that skill set. And also, he's a smart team defender. But Suggs would absolutely be in my top three. I want my Right now, I'd probably say Evan Mobley is second. Only because, like... I when it comes when it comes for me in prospects like I'm drawn to obviously we talked about this before wingspan and just long boys (laughs) and just unique unique skill sets and for me I look at Evan Mobley and I'm just like this guy has a handle he can defend like not only defend Mm -hmm. he can protect the rim and he could switch from what I've seen I just want to preface this by with what I've seen and it looks like he has shooting range. So it's like, I look at that skill set and I'm just like, it's tantalizing. It, and I would definitely keep him up there at two. But then I look at Suggs, great athlete, multi-sport athlete, <clears throat> um, you know, makes all the the, whatever the cliche of winning plays, he makes it, like I said, go look at that block sequence, that block to pass sequence. That dude yeah. gives a shit about the outcome of the game and you know and that gets thrown around a lot but you could see it on Sugg's face like he wants to win he'll do whatever it takes to make that you know deflection or that late rotation to get the block or you know passing it to the next guy in the corner who's open and um yeah the shooting is definitely not up up to snuff but if you count on his work ethic which I think we have undervalued over the last few years you you would have to believe he'd be at least a good shooter and with his athleticism and you know him being really solid at everything else like I could definitely see Suggs and Cunningham too obviously but I could definitely see like a case next season where Suggs and Cunningham are battling for the number the number or the rookie of the year um but and mainly because Suggs will, will look like he's in more NBA ready. But I have to look more at Jalen Green. I have to look at a few of the other guys before yeah, I make anything mean, definitive. I, but I have lo- loved Jalen Suggs all year. By the way, I'm probably a bigger Jalen Suggs fan than the average than the average uh you You're know person who actually writes about
0: this. You're probably a bigger fan than I am. I have both of the Jalen's pretty lower than a lot of people. I have them like in the top five, but I don't have them. My top three for a long time has been Cade, Mobley, and I like Kaminga a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know, we haven't had a lot of uh, a good track record in the last couple of years of people from the Congo. And like, you know, the with, you know, the beat and the uh, Mobambas and Isaac Bongas and, you know those kind of guys but i do love Kaminga's skill set and i love the length and he he's another long boy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of course you know i i just i love his skill set and i think he's gonna be great um again he's raw and i think the g league's helping him quite a bit but um yeah i had both jaylen's in in the four or five spot and i had them kind of flipping back and forth but um but suggs definitely helped it helped his case here and I, I, I have no doubt that they're going to blow up Baylor either. So,
1: yeah, uh, um, yeah, and that national, that national championship game is uh, that's going to be on uh tonight, I believe, or
0: it might be. Let me see. It might already be on. Um, but yeah, so you know, something, to, something to keep in mind of like, these guys are coming in and they're coming in hot. Yeah, it's uh,
1: coming. Yeah, it's going to be on in about an hour. Yeah, about an hour from now. So I'm excited to uh, see that. <clears throat> this is the matchup everybody wanted. Um, even though I think it's Zag pretty much shown all year that, uh, yeah, they're the best team that they're, they're the best team.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it's close either. They are really good. They move the ball like an NBA team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they have NBA, they have NBA prospects and all that. And even though I want to see more, uh, Dave, Oh, what's his name? Davion Davion Mitchell. Um, I, I want to see him a bit more also. So this, it'll be a fun matchup tonight. Um, it that's the other thing too like outside of like the early and middle-ish part of the college season like i kind of tail off of that for for, uh you know bask more uh nba and uh and uh football offseason stuff and then i kind of go back in and march madness and then i do my stuff at the end so it's a little it's a little screwy for me right now but uh i will definitely give you an updated board by the time draft comes around because i really want to Dig into uh, the top five because it seems like it's going to be a top five, and um, then it's going to be a drop off after that. Yeah, definitely.
0: definitely that's what
1: that's what it seems like it's going to be. Um, I I wanted to uh, talk about the Golden State Warriors real quick. If you don't, that was if you don't. I
0: wanted to get to. Too.
1: <laughs> okay, well then let's just let's just get into it. Um, so yeah, I I'm pretty sure after watching. You know, this iteration of the Warriors for the last two seasons, I'm pretty sure we can say now that Steve Kerr is more, a lot more like Phil Jackson than Greg Popovich. And it might be in the worst ways, especially around the timeline that this team is in right now. Steve Kerr's worst qualities as a coach are are shining the most, and it's been the most detrimental. I don't understand why every time the Warriors are in a game, Steve Kerr sticks with these rigid-ass rotations where in the fourth quarter, Steph and Draymond do not check in until about the seven-minute mark. Seven minutes or under, and the deficit is already expanding. And it's like, you guys know you suck. Without Steph on the floor, Steph and Draymond on the floor. Like, why? Like, why are they not out there? And not only that, why are they not in the fourth quarter at the nine minute mark like any other normal rotation? Why are they still running motion offense to get a, you know, it's basically the offense now just looks like Steph running around and relocating and hoping guys will find him. But they are basically running a PhD offense for a bunch of players that have no idea how to run that offense. And not only that, that offense is so specifically tailor-made for those three players that I don't even know if it's even replicable if you had half of those guys or even like a team with a half-decent amount of players that could even run that at an average level. I don't understand why they don't run more pick and roll. Steve Kerr talks about like, Oh, the beautiful game and all this stuff. Like we shouldn't be just pick and roll and motion and da, 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 da. Um, Well, guess what? Your personnel cannot run your damn offense. And it's yeah. time to it, like, it's the Phil Jackson thing. You, you guys have to adjust to the system. The system knows all. And it's like, Oh God, we're doing this now. Like I, I have to say, my uh, thoughts on Steve Kerr as a coach have kind of been lowered a bit. And no, this isn't me doing recency bias or whatever. A lot of prominent Warriors people that, you know, do podcasts, have popular Warriors podcasts like Warriors World, etc. They've been complaining about this. And it's going to be interesting, man, because Steph has a, is extension eligible this summer. He hasn't signed it yet and you could just tell winning's wearing on him. They're wasting think about this, dude. They are wasting another Steph MVP caliber season because one Steve Kerr treats James Wiseman like a child now. He's not letting him develop. They're not letting the number overall the number 3 overall pick develop. He's supposed to be the bridge to your guys's future, but he's getting, you know benched sometimes benched in the fourth quarter playing like 20 minutes a game like if I want James Wiseman playing 25 minutes a game he better be fouling out almost every damn near every game yeah like I just don't get the Warriors
0: man um and it might well, be so it might be time for some moves this is this is kind of the thing that I was saying if you're stuck, right and I understand the the loyalty part of it and like him wanting to stay and stuff like that but my and I think thing- it would be cool. Like, as yeah, a fan, absolutely. Yeah. But my thing is, if you're Steph and you look at the Warriors right now, even if you get Clay back and he's healthy, does that fix your problems?
1: No, they I think they would be a better team, obviously, but that oh, doesn't yeah, fix any 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 that, problems. Do no, they
0: do, do they? they still have the same issues, even with Clay, they still have the same issues and they're they have their supporting cast is terrible mm-hmm. like i don't know where what their plan is and it could be a thing of like maury maury did it really really well and i think maury did it probably better than anyone of keeping the rockets relevant for longer than any anyone ever expected them to be think about how long they were relevant for since 2008 Think about it. He, Maury was the yeah.
1: GM with the uh, McGrady Yao teams, and but, he has somehow he somehow
0: kept turning it and turning it and turning. Yeah, it. yeah. But the thing is, like that's so rare, and it feels like the Warriors are doing that now, where they're just trying to keep turning it, and it's just it's devolved into like I don't know what it is. Their roster is absolutely horrible. Outside it's of horrid. Sport, it's, it's it's one it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen because you kind of look at it and you go. They have people. They have names, and they have people that people know. But like, mm-hmm. man, they are not a good fit, and they're not good. They, this roster is bad.
1: Yeah. Um, think about like Ubre, uh, Wiggins. It's all a weird fit. Think about when Clay comes back too. Like it's, yeah, it's it's really it's really bad. And you know, obviously, they the Warriors had that losing streak when Steph went down with the tailbone, and then Steph came back you know, showed why he was an MVP again. Like, I was watching the Miami game um, last week uh, where Oladipo made his debut. And by the way, like, that, that's going to be fun to track towards the stretch run of the season. But it was every time Steph and Draymond were in the game, the Warriors were in it. They were making a – the Heat would extend the lead. Then whenever Steph and Draymond were on the court, the game was close, and they kept the game close. And then by the time the fourth quarter starts, Steve has an all bench lineup to start the, to start the quarter and he keeps it in for like six minutes and the heat are extending this lead to like 10 to 12. And then they finally bring Stefan Draymond in and they're pulling them back into the game again. But by the time that that happens, it's too late. And I don't know what it is. Like Steve Kerr always talks about like, you know, oh, we got to figure it out. We got to make adjustments or whatever. It's like, no, you got to make the adjustment, dude. You got to stop thinking that these guys can run this really rare motion offense. You got to stop thinking that Um, you got to start using Steph Curry as like an on-ball threat, more of an on-ball threat with picket and rolls and things of that nature. You got to let Wiseman make mistakes and fuck up. Because again, he's 19 years old, and prior to this NBA season, he had only played three college games. Three, and yes, he has some stuff to iron out. But there is no reason why, <clears throat> there is no reason why, you can't like address the low-hanging fruit stuff. Like I'm looking right now on NBA.com's, uh, I'm looking right now at NBA.com's, uh, you know, minutes leaders in the fourth quarter and Steph isn't even in the top 50. You know how wild that is? Like
0: th- like that's that's it, insane. It, it, I could see it as like a this season's a wash. Let's just save Steph's legs. But they're but, trying to do both at once. is what it yeah, seems it's like. Yeah, it's weird. It I don't know. It it would it would have made so much more sense for them to just like trade Wiggins or get rid of Wiggins. Get rid of get rid of Ubre, and then just kind of like t- like fully tank and then try to pick up, like, you know, if you get another top pick, you could easily turn it around. Or
1: with, or, you could draft better, like, your late yeah. round picks didn't hit. You could have drafted LaMelo, but we all know Steve Kerr doesn't like, you know, LeVar Ball. Like, think about this. Think about how good LaMelo would be right
0: now for the yeah. Warriors.
1: Like. La- they- Think, have of LaMelo,
0: right yeah. think of Lamelo when Clay comes back, and you have Steph and Clay spotting up with LaMelo running the floor in the center. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god.
1: Ex- exactly. Like awesome. the Warriors had the second pick. I, I know I said earlier Wiseman was a third pick. The Warriors had the second pick. Yeah. Um, and they could have they could have had Lamelo ball, or they could have traded for Lonzo ball, and none of that happened. Like, those guys would be helpful on the Warriors right now, and also like. I know Draymond Green brings a lot with his defense and passing, but when guys are literally sagging under the second nail in the paint (laughs) on your threes, you cannot just sit there and wait for Steph to relocate on a three ball. Like you're running some PhD offense. No dude, just shoot the damn ball. Like, there is no reason he should be averaging under 10 points per game. Like, I know it's Draymond, but come on, dude. This was a guy who scored 32 points in a Game 7 of an NBA Finals and hit four threes or whatever it was. Like, the the, the de-evolution of Draymond's shot is one of the more weird and fascinating things that I have seen from a player. Because at one point, he improved his three-point shot to – what was it, 37% in the 73 win season? And you're like, well, if he hit that's the like the one player you would want to take the shots. And if Draymond keeps shooting 37% from three, then you know, this thing is over. And all of a sudden it got worse. There was more of a hitch in it. He's putting more of his upper back into, into it. It looks oh it's really God. it's really the equivalent is that meme, that classic meme where it's that's like awesome. Draymond looks like he's shooting with a backpack on. Yeah. yeah. It really, it really has turned into that. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on with the Warriors well, right now. Cap,
0: their cap is messed up, too. Like, they got... Okay. Well, yeah,
1: their big yeah. three is tied up.
0: Yeah, like, I, I said when they signed Draymond to that deal, I said they're going to regret that. Like, they're going to regret it. And at this point, yeah, Draymond's a great... He's great at what he does and what he provides, but when he's taking up that much of your cap and you have so many more holes around Steph and Clay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the right guy.
1: Yeah. Um, if, it, if it was a little bit, if they had a little bit more of their holes plugged up, I could maybe see that deal. But the thing is like that deal is supposed to be a win now move. And this roster doesn't scream win yeah, now at all, nor do the coach nor do the coaching decisions. I can't harp on this enough. The coaching in the front office, like it really just seems like everything was just caught lightning in a bottle and they knew how to maneuver. it. Well, I don't know how much maneuverability you should get. I don't know how much credit you should get for your maneuverability when you, you know, get a lucky cap spike and then sign Kevin fucking Durant, right? Yeah. But, I know you know, I they know did it. Is, they uh, did it.
0: I'll give them credit. But, you know... I, I mean, I could be GM of the year then if I was the GM of the, of the Warriors at that point.
1: Yeah, it, but it seemed like everything was caught in a lightning in a bottle situation. And now that this run is over, we're kind of seeing, like... One, how hard it is to keep a championship team together. Two, what they actually... We can now properly assess their skills as management people and front office guys, because now they're kind of more back into basketball reality. Because remember, some of these moves, too, were from Jerry West, like, before this dynasty started. Like, I swear, like, I will always love Jerry West because... It felt like when everybody was talking about Clay Thompson and the Kevin Love trade, like before the 2015 season happened, I was like one of the, I felt like I was one of the few people where I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why would you trade Clay Thompson? Like yeah. th- you have something special with this backcourt. Cause I had seen, I had kind of. I, I feel like like I, I mentioned on this podcast before with the Warriors, I felt like I was the uh I felt like I was the hipster who discovered the rock band before it became cool, you know? Um especially because I loved Curry going back to Davidson. Um but Jerry West basically said if you trade Klay Thompson, I quit. And that basically ended it. Klay Thompson stayed, and the Warriors have three championships and five finals appearances. And now that this is over, we're kind of seeing what what it really is in the NBA streets.
0: (laughs) No, agree. I think there is a certain amount of... uh, I think there's a lot of oversight. Or, you know, not oversight, but I think there's a lot of um, overhype for this front office. That, like, Mm -hmm. hey, they they drafted well. You could argue they lucked into Clay and Steph. And then... You know, drafted Draymond, who's a great pickup later on in the draft, but after that, like what, what is there really?
1: Yeah, they. Uh-huh. Well, Harrison Barnes was an instrumental uh, draft pick. Also, we should give him credit sure. for that because he did unlock the uh, the famous death lineup. Also, right, Andre Iguodala was a great trade. It's uh, they did do some good things during the run. It's just at towards the end of Kevin Durant's the Kevin Durant era. Like you saw the lack of late round hits that caught up to them, like Kavon Looney, for example, a few others, Damian Jones, all those guys, um, they really didn't pan out. And now we're looking at it again, Eric Paschko, eh. Jordan Poole, he had a good stretch, but then he got hurt. And now he's kind of back to the normal Jordan Poole where he struggled last year mightily as a rookie. Um, yeah, man. I, I really, I wouldn't be surprised if we went through this whole summer and Steph doesn't sign an extension. Like it would not surprise me one bit if Steph didn't sign his extension and he just yeah. goes into next season with the last year on his deal.
0: And he goes into the Lakers.
1: Oh my god, that that happened. Honestly, I would love to see that. I would love to see like Curry play with LeBron or like somebody like Embiid. Like if Maury could just swing a Dude. trade, you know, for
0: LeBron uh, eighty LeBron Steph. Would be unstoppable.
1: I I think I think Stephen I think Stephen and Embiid would be fun because Embiid attracts so much Steph like gravity in the paint, while Curry attracts so Embiid like defensive attention out on yeah. the perimeter. And so it would I would love to see defenses just literally break in half because they were are trying to defend a Steph and Embiid pick and roll or pick and pop. That would be fun.
0: Dude, imagine LeBron AD's pick and roll with Steph running around. How do you stop that?
1: <laughs> that would be that would be uh that would be stupid. But thank God they thank God it's not going to happen, and the Lakers won't do anything. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> because that would that would be that would be dumb. I would quit it's, this podcast. <laughs> it's
0: the NBA's worst nightmare. Um, yeah, it,
1: it really would be, and also it I, would be a complete 180 from LeBron because LeBron doesn't well. I don't know how much of that is true now, but LeBron definitely looked at Steph with a scoff when uh, yeah. he was getting his or, MVPs.
0: Or Perk, Perk and a lot of other people have said that, like, LeBron's trying to recruit Steph. Yeah, um, and and Windhorse
1: win. said that. Windhorse with his, you know, I'm not reporting it, but I'm saying it, and so I'm not reporting it, though, the yeah. type of talk that he always does. But, but um, then uh,
0: the, I was I was laughing because when we got LeBron and we got AD, I, I remember tweeting, like, this is revenge to the rest of the NBA for the Chris Paul thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you, know, you know, that's only because...
1: So, I understand why Laker fans always go back to that, but David Stern was
0: the owner of the Pelicans at the time. Yeah. So, no, I, 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 yeah. I just want to point that out. <laughs> no, I, I understand why it happened. My point was that David Stern should not... The NBA should not own a team... I think oh, absolutely! Decisions at that point.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you there. But that—that was the reality of. Yeah. It. I well, just, that- yeah, I just reflexively argue with Laker fans about that point because I had did it my whole high school. When that happened throughout high school, I sure. argued with Lakers. I was like, uh, you know, also part. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Part of me as a Laker hater, I was like, yeah, that's right. Reject that trade. I don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reject that shit. <laughs> Dude, the, a kobe a kobe chris paul backcourt in their primes would have been incredible dude chris
1: paul would have been crying with joy like yeah if he was playing because think about chris paul's mentality and his attitude and his how he, oh, how he, much was, he, he basketball. Off, dude yeah him and kobe would have been would have been great to watch together like i what just like in the same way that i imagine kobe and kg would have been fun together because i know kg said that uh yeah. He was Thinking about going to the Lakers instead of the Celtics. like it was the Celtics, it was the Lakers and the Suns before yeah. uh, his last year in Minnesota, and he didn't choose the Suns because they would have traded Amari and a bunch of pieces, and he would have been basically going to the same Minnesota team <laughs> in Phoenix, and then the Celtics was just more feasible because they ended up getting Ray Allen too, and so I love see I love hearing stories like that. This is why players should be on long form, uh, yeah. Uh, platforms more um but you you wanted to uh, bring up something else that you wanted that that was on your mind about the league
0: oh so yeah the warriors were one um i just i don't because everyone's saying like oh well clay's hurt is there one big the one thing i hear from warriors fans is like clay's hurt and i was like well i don't know if clay fixes any of these problems <laughs> like, no
1: clay doesn't make him a contender no no,
0: no. no. Like, and so i don't know apartment. what their plan is and I, if i was steph i would not sign this extension like i need to see more um, but mm. anyway, we, talk, we we talked at the Um I want to bring up the Hornets here really quick. Is the injury... I'm making a video
1: on the Hornets right now?
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Are you? Yes, so here, I am. Like, I was
1: kind of scared because I pre-recorded it, <laughs> and um, and they started losing more games, and they weren't the fourth seed anymore. Now, and I recorded specifically that they were the fourth seed in the East, so I had to do a little re-recording. But yeah, it's coming this Wednesday, hopefully. So,
0: so here's my question for you. Yes. We talked about the fade for Kate stuff. Um and so is this kind of the best of both worlds with Haywood and Lamello getting hurt? Is this now kind of the best of both worlds where you go, Oh, they might still get a high seed or like a, they might still miss the playoffs and like get a high pick here? Um where they were good and they were fun and everyone is excited about them and they might attract free agents, but they also might get a, a good pick still.
1: They're still winning games, by the way, without LaMelo. And well, I think Gordon Hayward's injury. Yeah. He's the one who makes it go and stuff. So this is yeah. going to be tough. But well, it, okay. I, I think the I think the unfortunate thing, to answer your question, I think the unfortunate thing is the Hornets are kind of in too deep now. So like, I don't think they're going to catch unless they have some insane lottery luck. Thanks to the, you know, changed odds a few years ago. I don't see them catching the Pistons. The magic are going to be awful now, even though they have been playing scrappy since Aaron Gordon left. Um, the Timberwolves stink, the Rockets stink, the Pistons stink, the magic stink. The Cavaliers are once again on another, on another rut. Um, the Wizards are probably going to have another Russell Westbrook two week triple double spree, and will probably put him back in the play in. So,
0: like, I could see the Horn- if the Hornets just continue to mm. lose because I don't see them winning a lot with, with that with Hayward gone now. Yeah, because they they'll fall out of the playoffs. Like, I think the Pacers will come up and, and grab and grab them. I think the Bulls are going to be a lot better now with Lucevic and Levine. They start; they're looking a lot better. Um, yeah,
1: the yeah the Hornets lost their ball movers. They yeah. lost, they lost Lamelo. They lost uh, Hayward and Rozier can move the ball, but he score first. So is Devonte, yeah.
0: all those guys.
1: So and yeah, the they're probably gonna lose Monk. They're they're definitely they're gonna lose a lot of games now.
0: Yeah, um, so I, I can imagine. see them dropping out of the playoffs. And then once that happens, I mean, kind of it is, it is the
1: best of both worlds. It it's just uh, I guess um,
0: even, yeah. even if they can grab, even if they can grab like a mid round pick, right? Like a and grabbing grabbing something like I don't know if his stock will go this high, right? But like like a Johnny Zuzang, right? Someone just like a shot maker, spot up guy playing his defense, smart with yep. the ball. Cause that like a guy like Zuzang is perfect for LaMelo. Yeah. Spot up shooter, confident, knows how to play, knows where to stand, knows where to be. That's where that that's would, the kind that of would... guy you're on Lamello. Yeah, um,
1: the Hornets are
0: kind of in uh, higher, and you can get like a top ten, and you can possibly get like a Kaminga, or any, you know any one of those because there's a lot of athletes in this draft.
1: Yeah, and the Hornets also have some movable contracts too. Yeah, that they could probably. I'd, I I would have loved to see the Hornets <laughs> at some point this year. I would have loved to seen him get a competent center as outside of Bismack Biombo oh. and Cody Zeller. Um, it just really sucks that injuries have hit this team because they were awesome you know digging into like more I keep thinking like damn we've seen a lot of close games with the horse this year and like you look at their clutch numbers and stuff and you're just like holy shit like like, that is like the primary reason they have an above 500 record right now Um, I think they're 16 and 6 in games with uh, that are 5 points or less with 5 minutes left in the game and Terry Rozier is, like leading that charge. This Hornets team in general has just been fun and it sucks at the injuries of it, but yeah, they're probably going to lose a lot of games and they, they probably could benefit from using a extra lottery pick. So you're right. It is a win-win. I just would have liked to, uh, you know, seen them try to make the playoffs, but it, they are going to try obviously, but they just lost too many. They've lost one too many important cogs in the offense, so to speak. Yeah. percent.
0: So you know, we'll see. I, I my thing was just like, man, could they could drop, drop out and be really, really good now? And I was like, yeah. maybe, maybe this is a good thing. Yeah, uh, they could. The more, man, I mean,
1: you knows they could luck in and they could hit one of those Pelicans odds, right? Right. Yeah, and uh, well, end like up getting the number one pick. That was the kind so. of thing where I
0: was like, man, if they could just get into the lottery and like let the balls do their job, like you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and, for, or yeah. a
1: frozen envelope no. yeah <laughs> michael Jordan well, you know, does,
0: I, it's like hey adam you know <laughs> hey man i think so this this comes to another question that i wanted to bring up too and again this is this is sort of like an interesting i think there's an easy answer um and i think there there's an easy answer and i think it, it gets a little more complicated the more kind of you look into it when lebron retires who's the face of the league and to me it's come down to Luka and Zion with LaMelo kind of sneaking in there um uh,
1: i think that is way too early for that Um, uh, i think once lebron retires so like, okay when, when okay so what age do you think lebron let's 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 do a hypothetical age
0: realistically i think in the next like 4 years 5 years
1: Okay, so when okay, <laughs> so with LeBron's forty, yeah, and he re- let's just cap it at forty. So when yeah. LeBron retires, he's going to be forty years old. Yeah. So at this point, the face of the leagues will definitely not Lamelo will not Lamelo will be one of them. I think Lamelo going to be a special point guard. I just They're think not. he does stuff that obviously we both think that um, he he uh, does things that not a lot of players can do or see. But I think Embiid. I think Embiid's going to be thirty at that point. It's right there in his prime. Jokic as well, um, especially after those two guys battle for MVP for the next few years, um, and they brought back the big man. I
0: don't know. I don't know if they have like. I think Embiid more than Jokic, but I think the star power and the personality of Zion and Luca. I think carry a little bit more than Embiid. Oh, every, oh, I
1: disagree. Everybody, I love it, Embiid. Has I think has has more personality than those two. They, well, I, a, a guy I, who talks everybody and
0: engages no, no, people. No, I, on... I get that, but I'm saying like in terms of the highlight and the markability, like I don't like the. Okay, Embiid, yeah, because they're
1: ball handlers. I get it. Yeah,
0: they're, they're, the way that they handle the ball. Because think about, when you look at sort of bases of the league. It usually comes down to like a lot of it comes down to highlights and visibility. Like Shaq was the best player in the league for a long time, but he was never kind of the face of the league in the same way that Michael was or even Kobe was, right?
1: I think in the early two thousands, you could point to a There's lot like a small gap between
0: Jordan and Kobe, but like <clears throat> when, when like I could see small gaps where it's like okay, it's an impede for like a year or two, but then when you're talking about like the next guy. I think I mean, it's Ruka,
1: Zion, Zion uh, those are definitely good ones. Uh, Mel, if he could bring Charlotte back to, like, being a 50, 50, 55, 57-win team, then, yeah, I could definitely see him being a face of the league. But I just think at that point, the this generation of stars, the guys our age, or the guys from, like, 26 to 30 right now, I think those guys are going to be the next in line to be the quote-unquote uh, face of the league. But, you know maybe down the road, you know, obviously those next generation of guys, Luca Zion, the guys that are like 23 and under those guys could definitely, I, they're definitely be next in line. I'm not saying you're wrong. Lamelo could definitely, his play style is awesome. Um, his, uh, he plays a position that everybody gravitates towards to that caters to today's game. Um, so, and he definitely plays with flair, so he could definitely be the face of a league. I just think, with the way we consume basketball now and stuff. I also think that's going to change over the it continues to change and is going to change. And, um, I just think with we, since we're more smarter about how we, in a lot of ways we're smarter, but in a lot of ways we're also a lot dumber too about how we talk. About yeah. But I think people will look at it and be like, okay, now it's the next, you know, guys turns like in beating Jokic as if you, well, if you look at, who everybody's talking about like it's well when Embiid wasn't hurt it was Embiid, Jokic, LeBron like Jokic and Embiid bringing the big man back like you look at Jokic and Giannis fooling around during the all-star game the next stars of the game coming up I just think there's like a lineage or a a uh not a passing down of the torch I guess but like there's like a next in line type thing that I think we might be skipping it over too soon to LaMelo also um. Uh, We'll have to see it for a year or two. Uh, also, not n- like not that I'm saying that I don't think Lamella will be that, but no. we still have to wait and see.
0: Okay, this honestly. is like super. This is super like. It's an easy answer.
1: It's an easy answer, but also like to me the, when you me look into it, yeah. Like,
0: to me, the easy answer is Zion. Yeah. The yeah. But yeah. I think I think the more interesting answer is Luca. Hmm. 'Cause I think Luca Luca has a little bit more cockiness and a little bit more um swag to him than than Zion does. And the international touch too, I think doesn't hurt at all.
1: I think once the Grizzlies uh start taking the leap and growing up too, like not growing up like in a I'm not saying that in a mean way, but like, you know, once the young guys start getting their legs in the league and growing up in the league, I think John Morant's gonna be right up there yep. too. I John so. Morant's John Morant is I I just love how John Morant plays. It's so unselfish, but he doesn't look like that he, the the type of skill set and athleticism he has doesn't win that type of player does not play unselfishly. Like you never see like when was the last time you saw a guard with that burst and that handle and speed not be like a score first mentality guy? like this Yeah, John Wall. You're yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And um you say, but then you think of like Westbrook, D. Rose, like oh, that yeah. type of more. No, I, not, I, I, not,
0: I, lo- I loved Prime John Wall. Prime John yeah. Wall is one of my favorite players Dude, of all
1: time. Yeah, I loved, I love Prime John Wall. But like, you, when you think of players with those athletic builds and skill sets, you think like Westbrook or D. Rose, where they score first, score first, right? But not yeah. with John Morant or John Wall. And Dude, um, John Wall I, was
0: the best. He was the fastest player I've ever seen, and he'd speed down the court and have like. Everyone would convert and he'd just dump it off to someone. You're like, oh my God, this guy. <laughs> I'd probably
1: go I'd go Allen Iverson, John Wall, Westbrook, and D. Rose. Those are probably the three fastest guards of it. And De'Aaron Fox is go is quickly rising up the ranks. He's, there, I, yeah. he's the fastest guy in the league, I think, right now. Um, when that dude dust you, like it's like your shoes are stuck in cement. Like he has had some nasty crossovers and dunks where you're just like, wait, what the hell happened? I was just getting in a stance, <laughs> and next thing you know, De'Aaron Fox <laughs> is behind me. You know, like it. But uh, yeah, there, there's definitely the league's in good hands, man. There's a lot of talent around there. And speaking of Jokic, let me just uh, I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets real quick,
0: Bruh, I I'm change- take, <laughs> and- I'm changing. Like, I know we talked. I know we talked about last week. We need to see more shit. I've seen.
1: I've seen enough. I want to put the Nuggets. Like, I want to give all respect to the Phoenix Suns, but I'm telling you, the way it's looking and the way I, the stuff I look for in a team come playoff time, I'm putting the Nuggets too. I think they're the second best team in the West. The Gordon trade has made everything fall into place. Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have to guard. The next toughest guy, he there's enough spacing around the court between Jokic, Murray, Will Barton, and um, Michael Porter Jr. That Aaron Gordon's instinctive instinctive cutting ability, and Jokic's passing just make a glove fit pairing they last right. night against the magic they had connected 16 out of jokic's 16 assists i think six assists went to aaron gordon and he hit him on some nice back door cuts the clippers he was gordon was guarding Kawhi and actually holding his own and it's like that would have been something michael porter jr would have had to do or hope that Gary Harris gets healthy enough to be able to stay on the court, which I also think is just the main thing. I like this trade is that the Nuggets got somebody that could take those extra 30 minutes per game and allocate them to somebody else. And Gordon is now in the role where he is the third or fourth option. I think one of the players yesterday might've been Will Barton. Some, a Nuggets player had a quote out of the post game yesterday and saying that he was talking with Aaron Gordon about how, Gordon was laughing because these are some of the easiest baskets he's got. And I think he's shooting 64% since joining the Nuggets. So I imagine he is definitely enjoying himself. And uh, he just plugs up so many things defensively. They might not ever have the high-level rim protection, but they were a sieve on the perimeter. And And they really missed Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig. And now they got a supercharged version of that. With Gordon. And now everything else falls into place where Millsap can come off the bench and he might not be the same player, but it's 10 minutes a game. That's fine. Um, PJ Dozier can finally get some minutes. Monty Morris is back. They have Faku Campazo. Um, they they just have a the rotation is legit 10 deep now. They're back to the deep Denver Nuggets team. And with, you know, a better fourth wheel that makes everything just hum. So I love the I love the Nuggets as my second best team in the West.
0: Yeah, they're, they are so much better. I mean, we talked last week about, well, a couple weeks ago, about how I loved uh, Michael Porter Jr. at the four. Yeah. And I, I thought it solved all the problems. And I talked last week about how it looked like Aaron Gordon was just, you know, they point to, they they it's like Michael Porter Jr. They point to Aaron Gordon. They're like, this is what you should be in three years. This is what you yeah. want in three years. And, it, and the thing important. is there's
1: so much size with skill too.
0: Yeah. The the Aaron Gordon Jokic pick and rolls are terrifying. Um, <laughs> yep. And and then when you surround them with shooters, when you have Murray and Porter going out Will there, Barton. Will Barton going out there and spotting up, it makes it so impossible to guard. But the thing is, like to they me, were like already
1: impossible to guard too. That's to the me,
0: thing. To me, the thing is defensively of how much it fixes with their matchups. Yeah. Um, And again, when when you can bring Millsap off the bench, it stabilizes your bench unit as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It just all around makes this whole thing work. And like I brought up last week that I'm I'm slowly putting them ahead of the Suns, and you said you need more time. And I think we're all at the point we're both. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then like a few days later, I put in the in this Discord, I was like, I was like, yeah, I think fuck it, (laughs) I'm ready to put the Nuggets there. (laughs) You know, yeah, like they. I, I, I'm interested in tracking their defensive rating over the next few weeks because if they are just an average defense, it was the book on them last year. If they were just an average or like a top 12 defense, then they're a contender because they have a top, they have a tier one franchise player, like cold stop MVP front runner right now. And um, with the injuries and with the injuries and everything like Jokic, Jokic had a great case, I think throughout the year, but now I think he's the front runner um but they have everything now and i really love this nuggets team so the, the they are definitely the jazz should be scared the suns the reason i put them over the suns too is because i want to see them in the playoffs first the only guy with experience there is chris paul right but that's a, lot Nugget,
0: of-
1: <laughs> that is a that is a lot of experience but the nuggets have also been through two playoff runs where they have played countless amounts of game 7s and made it to the conference finals um, or came within one game of the conference finals, and then the next year went to the conference finals, and now they have found a defensive Swiss Army knight that could plug up a lot of their holes defensively. So it's exciting if you're a Nuggets fan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's I think it's super exciting to be a Nuggets fan. I think like it's gonna suck when the Lakers are the seventh seat and you run into them in the first round if they're yeah. fully healthy. Um, and like that's another thing that's gonna be really weird of like. Obviously the Lakers are gonna get a low seed. The Lakers are gonna get like a sixth to eighth seed. And then yeah. at that point, if you're if you're the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Suns, is part of you do you is part of you trying to like maybe you're thinking like let's let her foot off the gas a little and let's try to avoid this.
1: Chris and Paul also, isn't thinking that I guarantee you. What's up? Chris Paul isn't thinking that I guarantee you that. Oh.
0: But like, I think Bill Sims brought this point too of like, it might be a good idea to get the Lakers in the very beginning when they're still trying to put everything together. Yeah. Um, but I, which I don't disagree with. But like, I think you know, maybe you maybe avoiding them all together might be the you know the smaller stuff, or might yeah. be the more, more important thing. Like, you know, I don't I don't know. Luca's yeah, scary, cool. like, scary, but like you know. I'd rather play the Mavericks than the Lakers in the first round, right? Yeah, I
1: but, yeah. No, I'm not I'm like Luka's back, right? Like he's been yeah. playing like this stretch he's been on has been way better than at any point he played last year. And he had yeah. an MVP caliber season last year, but he's I'm not scared of the scared
0: Mavericks. Better. That yeah, took almost that took almost four months, but he's shooting back. Finally now. finally in shape, like <laughs> like all that stuff. But I'm not I'm scared, scared of the Mavericks. I'm scared for I know I know everyone brought up last summer of like this is like Luca Luca's MVP year this year. I'm scared for this season where yeah, Luca MV Luca's gonna have the summer playing probably Olympic basketball. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have a summer like where he's gonna be able to work out and focus on his training. And I think he's realized like I can't just eat what I want and I have to full I have to work on my diet. I've heard a lot of stuff about him trying to get in shape and like really understanding and buying into all this like full year round training stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and so you know, if he can start, if he starts doing that stuff, you usually see it when in players when they start really adapting to the NBA lifestyle in that way. Um, yeah, you start to see the jump, and I think like this is part of the start of that. Yeah,
1: and I and I do again don't want to you know brush off the Jazz either because they are on another dominant stretch, and Donovan Mitchell has been on a horrid tear since the All Star break. Um, real quickly. Uh, Before we go, so I did look up what Denver's defensive rating has been in the five games since they traded for Gordon. It's 109, um, which is 13th. So, like I said, if they make it to middle of the road or top 12, while they have a 120.3 offensive rating during the same stretch, I think the Nuggets are going to be solid. They'll be. They'll be. Uh, they. They are. I think it's warranted right now that I overreact and put them as the second team in the west, i just I can't wait to watch this team for the rest of the year. They just got so much more not that they weren't interesting. It's just that Denver was missing some pop. They should have had they should have been building off of this playoff run and it just looked like losing Grant and some key guys were were crucial uh Gary Harris being hurt really obviously that well he's always he's been hurt the last few years, but the nugget his defense was important in those playoffs. He turned around. He turned around Game Six in that first round series against the Jazz. His defense on Donovan Mitchell when he came back was was a uh, spectacular and crucial. But um, they finally got somebody that could play durable, consistent minutes, and is six ten and can do a little bit of everything. So I like this team.
0: I like it a lot. So um, I'm excited to see where they're heading. And mm-hmm. uh, the West, the West is becoming more and more interesting. The Lakers Uh, is a is pretty interesting here of how they're going to it's added a new wrinkle to the to this to this race that's uh pretty interesting and like the bottom tier teams are all starting to catch fire at the same time too Mm -hmm. so the the finish here should be pretty crazy
1: yeah and uh the top three teams in the east that that finish should be crazy too. Um, I like that the Bucks uh, locked up Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday has been absolutely spectacular this year. Um, yeah, I think efficient it's off a little bit of an. Overpay, but-
0: you think, think of his what? Him to keep. I think it's a little bit of an overpay, but I think you do need to pay to keep him and to yeah. To ownership didn't user. cheap out.
1: That's the thing. Like they yeah. they went all in on their franchise, their tier one franchise guy. Um, so, and yeah. I, and I think as a fan, you, you want that. You don't want yeah, ownership absolutely. to cheap out when you, yeah.
0: again, it's, are you overpaying for Drew Holiday? Yes. Did you need to do it? Yes. So, yeah. you know, whatever, it's fine.
1: But um, also I do think he'll prove that extension's worth it. Cause he's, he's probably going to be on my all first team, all defense this year. I think he's been absolutely fantastic and uh i think his and he's been a crunch time player for the bucks also i i keep that's and obviously we'll wait and see tbd for the playoffs but both drew chris and Giannis have seemed to have figured out a rapport and how to operate in crunch time and i i know i think i brought this up before but Giannis has made basketball improvements to his game i think there's a little more manipulation there's a little more Deliberateness instead of just, you know, going Godspeed towards the basket all the time. He's had some really incredible. He's made some of the best passes I've ever seen him make uh, this season um, where he know he's starting to use his uh, attention that he gets to get guys open and also. We'll see in the playoffs, because I think Mike Budenholzer is an overrated coach. But he has been trying some stuff. So the Bucks are trying stuff, and they're only a game and a half out. So that top three finish in the East, that's going to be interesting. Are you worried about Kevin Durant, by the way?
0: A little bit. Uh, but again, I think they're, I put the Nets in the same conversation as the Lakers, where I'm not worried about them until the playoffs start. Like, yeah. I'm not worried until... Until That's the fair. until until the real games come and they're not playing, I'm not worried.
1: Yeah. Um you know,
0: as it hey, is I'm worrying
1: not, that he's only played nineteen games, I will say. Like it's yeah. been like two months, but it sounds like everything is just extreme oh. caution.
0: Yeah. Extreme yeah. caution. I think they I think them having Harden and <laughs> yeah, Kyrie, it so that you can have that amount of caution. Um I think the Lakers are the same way where yeah, they they're being very careful with Anthony Davis and very careful with LeBron. And like, as long as they're in the playoffs, which, you know, I think they've, I think they've put in enough of a, a cushion where, you know, they could lose a ton of games and still make the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. that as long as, as long as all of these guys are playing when the games really, really matter, then I think that's fine. I'm not worried. Yeah. Yet. And so. also
1: one, one more thing before we uh, dip out here, I'm really glad that there was a, uh, a counter backlash to all the people bitching about the buyout market. Like yeah. the most pointless thing
0: to get upset about is, well, it's, like it, It's because it's because the Lakers assigned someone and Bill Simmons had a fucking hissy fit.
1: He had a hissy fit about it. And there was other people too, by the way, complaining about it, which is funny because those same people like a week ago were like Blake Griffin's washed. LaMarcus Aldridge is washed. Like, they're gonna, they're, yeah. they're gonna, get, they're gonna get better, uh, because they're playing with the Nets, obviously. But like, when in the last ten years has there ever been a buyout player that can influence a championship like that? Oh, it's just another enough,
0: thing for people to. Say that, funny you say that. The one thing that we could think that I could think of, that a lot of other people brought up to Bill, and he ignored. PJ Brown. Yeah. P.J.
1: Brown. (laughs) Yeah. No, Bill, he actually did bring up uh, P.J. Brown when I first heard him bitch about it. But yeah, P.J. Brown, that was the uh, that was the one. And, you know, Andre is Andre Drummond more talented than probably the average buyout player. Sure. But is the Lakers were already one already the favorites. And Andre Drummond isn't going to swing the championship odds that much. Like LeBron's going to pull some stuff out of him that he probably hasn't before that he, Drummond probably has never done before. Um, he's going to pull a
0: toenail out of him. Oh, God. Oh.
1: I like how he looked at the camera. I like how he looked at the camera and was trying to communicate to us that, like, toenail off. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> like, oh. I was like, oh, God, that's so disgusting. But, yeah. Uh buyout market. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah, who cares? I'm, uh, I'm with the same belief
0: here. I just
1: don't. Like, I cannot get worked up about it. I, I can't. But yeah, that's all I had.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. So. Yeah, we're good. Um. Yeah. Uh. Interesting. Interesting week. I think the the end of this season is gonna be super wild. I'm happy that we have a month left to see how out. I know shakes we're
1: out. almost there. Jesus. We are. Yeah. That's crazy. So
0: that's the crazy part, LeBron. LeBron and AD are supposed to be back, uh, like last week, April, first week of may. And then they literally have a week before the playoffs at that point.
1: It's like cramming in for a final exam, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean. Good old
1: procrastination college days. uh, Wait, are going the college route. (laughs) now.
0: I do. Oh, did you, did you check the, see the video that that was out with, uh, LeBron and AD, the, with on shorter stream?
1: I did not know.
0: It was pretty awesome. It's, uh, and again, I've been talking about this for a while, and like I know most Laker fans have been talking about it, and like probably everyone's sick of hearing it. But like this Lakers team is so close, and I think it comes down to LeBron being—that's how he. Run- we I've heard that's how he runs his teams, even in Cleveland, that they're just very yeah. close.
1: Yeah, so they always uh, go out to dinner and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so I, Schroeder and AD were playing Call of Duty. Schroeder was streaming, uh, and then AD got a call on his cell phone, and he answered it on stream, and you could hear it's LeBron, and he called. And he was just checking with AD, seeing what's up, seeing what he was doing. Apparently, LeBron was at uh, Dudley's house getting rehab, um, working out with Dudley uh, at his house. God damn! And, like, and they they just called to see what they were doing because Dud said that they were playing some video games, and say, they just called to see what was up. And like, so it's it's that kind of call that you love to hear. LeBron from, was
1: probably like, "Don't say no dumb shit on the stream."
0: Yeah, <laughs> like you know, it's that kind of thing where it's good it's always nice to hear stuff like that where like yeah these guys they're they're friends like they just want to hang out like it's it's a it's a different team environment than what you're usually used to hearing um so that 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 kind of stuff always like warms my heart it's like oh, dude like these guys are family they care about you.
1: so yeah and also winning that championship also helps submit that too. yeah absolutely That's,
0: yeah but uh, yeah
1: wholesome stuff I guess to end the pod
0: yeah we start with Paul Pierce and we end with LeBron James calling his buddy oh, no. <laughs> The two ends of the spectrum <laughs> yeah two yeah for, for real <laughs> but uh thanks guys for watching and uh we'll see you guys next time
1: the B.O.B.